Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Melissa. How are you today? I'm good. So listeners can't see us, obviously, because we're a podcast, but and we're recording in the morning, and there's just extenuating circumstances for both of us where neither of us could record where we normally record. So Lisa, where are you? I'm actually recording in my laundry room. I have my computer and my microphone all on top of my dryer and I am uh, kind of tucked in next to it. And it's fairly early for me. I am in my pajamas. So it's a very good thing that we're not doing video. I literally just rolled out of bed and started working this morning. That's amazing. Yeah. So There's power washing going on right outside the window of the room where I typically work and record. So I'm holed up in my basement and I, you know, with this like tiny little lamp and. You know, one thing we haven't really told um, our listeners is, I don't know if you all know this, but Melissa and I don't live anywhere near each other. We don't get to record together. We spend a lot of time on video together and on our phones together, but I live in North Idaho, and Melissa, why don't you tell them where you live? I live on the East Coast, just north of Baltimore, so we are literally on opposite ends of the country, which I just think is so amazing. I am a lover of technology, and so I just love that we live in an age where the two of us could work together, and sometimes it's a little tricky with the time zone situation, but it's really worked out pretty well, and so... I'm just excited. Someone actually asked me the other day where the adoption connection was based out of. I was like, I don't know how to answer that question. So it's based out of uh, our homes in the United States. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah. It's based on the internet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We're in the cloud. We're just in the cloud. Yeah. Well, speaking of mornings, mornings can just be really tough, especially now that the school year is getting underway. Moms have reached out to us and they often ask us for just some strategies to smooth out the morning so that we just don't start our day feeling all stressed and frazzled. The worst thing in the world is to get your kids to school finally and feel like you've already run a marathon. Yeah, or that you've already blown it and and you're defeated by 8 a.m. in the morning. And that has happened to me many times. And so I am pretty intentional about morning. And both of us have both homeschooled. We've had kids in school outside of the home. So we've had to learn how to manage morning routines in many different scenarios and with many different ages of kids. So I think we, we've probably got the ins and outs and the pros and cons and the successes and failures pretty well covered. Yeah, definitely. So before we even get to the kids, I think the first thing is to just think about us and ourselves. Really the biggest lesson in parenting that I've learned over the past couple of years is a lot of things just start with us. And so for mornings, it's, it's pretty simple. Well, I mean, it's simple to say, harder to do, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, we ourselves need enough sleep and we, pro- we need our own routine, our own evening routine to make sure that we're getting to bed on time and our own morning routine. And Lisa and I both happen to be morning people by nature. But I think even if you're not, it's worth the investment to try to get up at least 30 minutes 
maybe even an hour before your kids. I can tell you that when I am doing this well, it literally changes the course of our day because just that space, like we can call it white space if you want that little margin before you know you have to manage extra people is just such an empowering thing for moms. Yeah, and for me, you know, really my I am a morning person. It's a great time for me to work. It's a great time for me to take care of my own needs. For me, the morning begins the night before, both for me personally and for my kids. But like I was thinking last night as I was sort of going through my evening end of the day, closing up the house kind of routine, how important it is to think about the fact that the morning begins the night before. And so simple things like I always make sure my kitchen is pretty well cleaned up when I go to bed. Like I don't like to leave dishes. Now I go to bed before my teenagers do. So that doesn't mean I don't come down in the morning and find dishes in the sink. But you know, I I always start my dishwasher before I go to bed. Sometimes I'll start a load of laundry before I go to bed. And I always, always set up my coffee maker before I go to bed. And then I think about what I'm going to be doing first thing in the morning. And because I don't want to wake Russ if I'm up before he is, I always set out the clothes I'm going to wear. Like if I'm going to the gym, I set out those clothes. You know, whatever it is, I really am very intentional as I'm ending my day and going to bed to set myself up for success so that then it starts me out on a path of setting my kids up for success too. Yeah, I love that. And I have found that the older I get, the worse my memory gets. And so I actually need like a printed out, written out evening and morning routine. So I don't forget all the things, you know, I don't forget to make sure I start the dishwasher. Cause a lot of times I'll sit down right after dinner with Patrick and the kids to maybe watch a TV show. And I inevitably am asleep on the sofa. And so then I get up all groggy and I really just want to fall into bed, but then my kitchen's still a disaster or I haven't started the dishwasher or packed lunches for the next morning or, or what have you. Um, and then in the morning, you know, especially if you're not a morning person, you probably wake up a little bleary eyed, a little groggy. So it's kind of good to just have like a check. I'm a huge fan of checklists, like just something to tell you, like, drink your cup of coffee, do 10 minutes of yoga. I don't, whatever, whatever you do, you know, and every person's morning routine can be different, but whatever it is that you want to make sure that you get done before your kids are out of bed, I would just write it down. That's a good idea. I, it's pretty well locked in my brain, but I was thinking about, you know, the setting of the coffee almost every single night. I think to myself, Oh, I don't want to do this. And then I remind myself, I will want to do it even less at 5am. So better now than in the morning when I am like, Oh, I still have to make coffee. So I, I do try to get as much done before I go to bed as I can. Yeah. And so what else do you do before bed for your kids? Well, first of all, for my kids, I'm really a fan of kids getting enough sleep. And I am a fan of early bedtimes. We're basically a fairly early to bed family and early up family. Again, my teens are different, you know, and at various times I've had like one of my college kids living at home, they really determine their own schedule. Although on school days, even for my teens, I like them home earlier than on the weekends and things. But for the younger kids that we're still actively doing, you know, bedtime with and morning routines, we try to go for an early bedtime so that, you know, they're, they're rested. Kids need a lot of sleep. And when kids are sleep deprived, we all pay the price for that. And so generally speaking, 
a pretty early bedtime. And then, and I, we have a whole bedtime routine, but that's not the topic of this podcast. So then again, before the kids go to bed, we do some prep for the following morning. Like I try to make sure that if they have any forms that need to be signed for school, homework that needs to be done, those sorts of things. I like to have that all done in their backpack and the backpack in the entryway ready to go in the morning. Generally, I pack lunches or they pack lunches in the morning, but simple things like making sure their water bottles filled up or filled in in the fridge. Some of my kids will pick out clothes the night before. At this point, I only have my two boys, believe it or not, who are still young enough that I'm really actively engaged in their morning routine. They do not pick out their clothes the night before because most days they pull on basketball shorts and a clean athletic type t-shirt and they are good to go. And when it's winter, a lot of the times they wear the same thing, but they put maybe compression leggings underneath the shorts or compression shirt underneath the t-shirt add a coat, things like that. But clothes for two boys are pretty, pretty simple. How about you? What do you do the night before for your kids? And of course, right now we're really talking mostly about kids who go out of the home to school. I think uh, the homeschool morning's quite a lot different and looks very different for everyone. So I'm at to the stage where I'm pretty hands-off with most of my kids too, but I do like to wake up to a clean kitchen if at all possible. And I do like to think about what breakfast is going to look like for our youngest. So I still, you know, do breakfast for him. And because I like to get work done in the morning, you know, sometimes we really hit the ground running or I'll work right up until he needs to pop out of bed um, for whatever we have going on that day. So where he eats grain free. So he eats bacon and eggs a lot of mornings and we do bacon in the oven. So a lot of times, like if I can pre do that the night before or the afternoon before or something, that's really helpful. I know when, my older girls were still home and clothes were sometimes a contentious issue. Having outfits picked out the night before, you know, that everyone was happy about. And because I think with my girls, you know, they were a little bit more fashion conscious. My boys totally roll out of bed and either just go to school and whatever they wore to bed or, you know, just throw on, they pick a bottom and a top and it doesn't matter if it matches or whatever. But obviously with the girls, it was a little bit different. And so just taking that time you know, in the afternoon, the day before, instead of in the morning when everyone was trying to rush to get out the door was big. Um, if you're really, really good, you can even do like a Sunday afternoon thing and, and do all the outfits for the week and maybe even put them in like a shoe organizer or something, you know, like hanging cubbies or something. And then that way it's done for the whole week. If you're really into like block or batch planning. Yeah, I had a, a reader once tell me she bought one of those hanging sweater organizers and then she labeled each little compartment and she put her kids' outfits and they could help her choose, but she would put their kids' outfits in for the week. And then another mom told me, now that she had little kids, that she would actually put each outfit into a gallon Ziploc. So she would plan out their clothes for the week, she'd put them in the Ziplocs that were labeled and all the child had to do was pull out the Ziploc, you know, labeled Monday, and that was what they were going to wear. So it, it's a little different when kids are younger. And, you know, you mentioned kids hopping out of bed and going to school and what they slept in. I think for, especially in certain climates, and also, like you said, for some of us, our, us with boys, like if they shower the night before and they put on clean shorts and a clean t-shirt, that's probably good enough. I mean, maybe I set the bar a little too low, but I really don't want to have drama over 
very basic things. That's our rule, actually. Our son puts clothes on, changes his clothes every night before bed. And the expectation is actually he's going to get up and wear the same thing. We don't do pajamas. And he only has eight of every, like eight shirts and eight pairs of shorts. So I do laundry for him like once a week. And so then there's an extra, but it just keeps the drama to a minimum and the choices are a little bit less. And it's just a lot easier for him to manage because he, you know, has struggles with learning disabilities and some other things. And so the less he needs to manage, the better. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that brings us to another thought or topic, and that is having a very simple morning routine for our kids. You know, some of our kids wake up with lots of energy and some of them wake up very uh, quiet. And, you know, we've got kids with sensory needs. We've got kids with ADHD. We've got kids with all kinds of different needs. So you have to know your kids. I think that each child still needs a very simple routine. And like for young kids, that routine, you might even make a chart, like Melissa makes a chart for herself. But, you know, for young children, you might want a chart that either has little graphics of each step in their morning routine, or you could even, if it was fun, take a photo of them doing each step and then put it, you know, hang it up. Or uh, one of my readers said she, she does it on a laminated card and then her child checks things off with a marker each morning on each step as they do it. So it could be as simple as, you know, making your bed, doing your simple hygiene. You could show them brushing their teeth, brushing their hair, whatever it is that's part of their morning and then get dressed, have their breakfast Maybe they want to help pack their lunch. In my family, each of the children does a simple chore. And I mean simple, like five minutes or less every morning. And I will admit, my high school girls are not nearly as good at it as my younger sons because they tend to get wrapped up in makeup and different things. But it's really important to me. I have a very simple chore chart. And Right now, I only have four kids still at home, and if they each do a five-minute chore, it's incredible how it helps our house, you know, stay somewhat uh, organized. Like one person will empty the dishwasher, another one will feed the dog and the cat, Um, someone will run the vacuum over our family room rug, you know, just really basics, and that helps a lot. With my kids who are a little bit more of morning people or just tend to get things done quickly. If they have extra time when all of that's done, they might read for a few minutes or in the good weather now they can go outside and even hop on the trampoline and jump for a few minutes. My kids, it's the most brilliant invention in the world, but when I finally sent some kids to public school, did you know that they have school buses, Melissa? I was just, I think the school bus driver was my very, very favorite person my first year of school. I couldn't believe that somebody actually picked my children up and took them to school because as a homeschooler for 23 years, I was used to being a one-woman show and doing everything. And so the school bus... um, was like this incredible invention to me. And in addition to that, it was the school bus's schedule that set the limit for my kids of what time they had to be out the door, down to the bottom of our driveway. We have a somewhat long driveway. And it wasn't me saying, hey, you need to be ready at 7.43 a.m. It's like the bus is going to go right by our house if you're not out there. And I kind of liked having that time removed from my power and put into someone else's. So it was sort of a natural consequence sort of thing. If they missed it, it wasn't me. One of the most 
powerful things that our therapist ever instilled in me was when at all possible outsource whatever the boundary is, whatever the rule is. And so that's great. We homeschooled for a long time. And even before we homeschooled, we did private school. So I was still responsible for driving. And so we have had kids that take the school bus now and it is phenomenal. I mean, I, now that some of my kids are older, I mean, I literally don't even see them in the morning sometimes because one of my kids gets on the bus at 645 and I'm often up, but sometimes in the dead of winter, I'm not because it's cold and dark and yeah. And he gets up, gets out and that bus is gone. So yeah, the school bus is really a great option. You talked about some kids who are a little bit slower to get moving in the morning. One of the tips that I often share with families is having a diffuser in your kitchen or wherever you guys kind of gather in the morning and diffusing an essential oil, you know, like wild orange. This is one of my favorites because it has these energizing properties. It kind of makes you happy, but it also is known for its ability to soothe feelings of anxiety. And so I know a lot of our kids have a lot of anxiety as they get ready, even just the anticipation anticipation of going to school or, you know, some, if there's a test or whatever. And so an oil that kind of does both of those things to me is like magic. So, And it smells good too. I like that one. That's a good idea. I honestly haven't, I tend to diffuse oils a lot of my kids' bedrooms and I don't tend to do it in the kitchen and family room as much. That's, I'm, I'm going to try it. Thank you for that suggestion. Yeah. So we covered a lot of things that are really what we call empowering things for our kids are kind of the things that set them up for success. They really take into account their environment, what their physical needs are. So in terms of, you know, setting out the clothes and making sure they get a good breakfast, these are all things that are really going to set our kids up for success and, you know, planning ahead to make sure that those happen are a huge part of smoother mornings. The other thing that is really important, especially because a lot of us are sending our kids out for school, so if you're not homeschooling, is kind of just thinking about some connecting things, some connecting rituals, um, or just being mindful of the fact that sometimes that transition to school is tough for our kids because they're going to be away from us. And, you know, they might need some reassurance that our relationship is still solid, that they still have the sense of felt safety. Lisa, I love the way you put it often is, you know, that secure base, reminding them that we're their secure base, even when they're not there. So do you have any connecting rituals or things that kind of help your kids feel more secure in their relationship with you before you send them off? I do. Um, connection is really important to me. And, but every child is different in what they can accept and receive and also in what they can tolerate in the morning. But generally speaking, it's really important to me to greet my children. I try to smile at them and make eye contact. Now, I have one son who pretty much will have none of that. He will just say, I don't want to talk. And so I try to respect that with him as well. But with my kids who, like touch and will receive it. I always like to give them a hug if I can. Um, with little ones, I think it's important to maybe sit together. We've always had a great big rocking chair and just to pull them in your lap for a few minutes and snuggle them close and rock is a good way to help them wake up and move into their morning. You know, when I was homeschooling everybody, 
I didn't make breakfast for my kids. We had a menu and they could just get it themselves. But now that my kids actually leave for school, I make my boys breakfast for two reasons. One, they can't just eat whenever they want. Like if they don't eat breakfast or they don't eat a good breakfast, when you're homeschooled, you can grab a snack. With school, it's not like that. So I want to be sure that they have some good protein in them. But secondly, by making their breakfast, it's a, it's a high nurture thing, you know, for me to feed them. And so, like you mentioned, your son being grain-free, Melissa, my kids aren't grain-free, but they definitely, I try to focus on protein in the morning. And so I cook eggs for them nearly every single morning. And they like that. And I think it, it meets some need for them in both physically and emotionally. I try to be supportive of them um, in the morning. I try not to be critical because really, if the homework is not done at this point, it's not getting done. And me, you know, negative and reminding of that really will not help. It will not help them leave the house feeling connected to me. So at that point, you know, it's time to kind of let it go. The other thing I like to do with my kids is I like to read to them in the morning, which is, of course, significantly harder now that they're in school. When they were homeschooled, that's just how we always started our day. But now that they're in school and that bus is coming or we're driving or whatever, time is very, very short. So I don't try to gather them and read to them like sitting together on the sofa anymore. I did try to do that for a long time. But now what I do is I tend to sit at the kitchen island with them. And because we are people of faith, I usually read a short passage from the Bible with them. And then with my youngest son, Wagayu, we usually have a book going that we're trying to read. Um, we have not been super successful at moving through books very quickly because sometimes, you know, it's like two minutes of reading. But still, I just like that moment of connection with him. Um, I think with older kids and really fragile kids, we have to follow their lead. We have to be attuned to them. Like I mentioned, one of my sons does not like to talk at all in the morning. So I think I have to follow his lead at all. And if I try to do more connection, it's actually dysregulating to him. How about you, Melissa? Yeah, I think we definitely have had kids and stages that have been super fragile. And I think it's a fine balance. Um, so I definitely would say... There are a couple things that I would do no matter what. Greet them. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here kind of stuff. Even if it got an attitude, I knew I kind of had to take the reaction out of it and think, you know, what's the right thing to do? And I felt really strongly that the right thing to do was, you know, give them some space. So I wasn't like I was smothering them with these like big hugs or kisses in the morning, but just a smile, some eye contact and, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad you're here. Even if it got an attitude, I felt like it was important that we verbalize that even when things were a little rough. And I think, you know, their reaction to that, you know, would tell me a lot about how they were doing. But I think even when they're reacting to it, deep, 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 deep down inside, they still want it. And I think to stop it, you know, probably would have confirmed some of those like deep, deep fears about no one wants me, no one loves me. So it's definitely such a hard balance. So I love, you know, the idea of just being attuned. Sometimes I think we think that connected parenting is all about this connection. And I know for a long time, I erred on the side of not what I call connection anymore, but more just affection. And it did drive away and dysregulate our kids. And I would get so angry about it because I was like, I'm just trying to connect with you. I think really connection in a deeper sense is what you were talking about 
being attuned to them, knowing kind of what they can handle, what they can't, and being quote unquote connected doesn't always mean you know, slathering on the affection. So it's, it's, it's a fine line, but like you said, you know, mornings aren't the time to stand on our hills to die on for sure. I I think, you know, in hindsight for some of our really rough mornings, I wish I had remembered just that idea of peace and connection and calm were probably more important than the routine or the breakfast or any of those other things. And so sometimes I could probably let my priorities get a little, you know, reversed or out of whack. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It's, it's really a matter of knowing our kids. And sometimes I think some of that connection is more in need of my heart, like than maybe say, for instance, my son's heart, like he really does not want to have conversation in the morning. I do. I feel more satisfied when he'll connect with me and talk with me, but that is that's dysregulating for him and so i have to honor that and know that it's not about the overall tone necessarily of our relationship is just what how he functions in the morning um we were talking a little bit about breakfast and i i have a great menu that a reader sent me once as an example of what she does i think we'll include that in the show notes um we'll have some a free download for you. And we'll include that as a suggested, just an example, not really a suggested menu, but an example of a menu that might be a simple way of doing your breakfast. And I know that sometimes it seems silly maybe to have a menu for breakfast, a menu for lunch for your homeschoolers or little ones. But honestly, I found the fewer decisions I had to make every morning and every afternoon, the fewer decisions in general I have to make the better because, you know, our brains get tired. All of us, especially when we're doing this high level of therapeutic parenting, we're tired. And so, you know, let's eliminate the decision-making in as many areas as we can. Yeah. I think that's true of our kids too. Just like there's such a thing as decision fatigue. And I think our kids probably get it too. And I think that's a really great example of, you know, I'm a huge fan of trying to keep structure high, but then also keep nurture high. And so when it comes to food, obviously feeding, providing nourishment for our kids is super high nurture, but in terms of structure, sometimes we have to put some boundaries around that or just make sure it happens regularly. Like you were saying, you know, it's really important for your boys to eat good, high protein breakfast in the morning. And I think the fact that you're really mindful of that is a structure piece, you know, that nurture of feeding your kids. And I also think visual menus, anything we can do that helps our kids experience a decision or experience really anything in a multi-sensory way. So they're hearing you say, you know, you have two choices for breakfast. Would you like eggs or a smoothie or whatever your choices are? Um, If you have that written down, you know, or if you have a whiteboard in your kitchen where you can kind of you know, switch it up every morning easily and quickly. That's really helpful, especially because a lot of our kids have slower processing, especially slower auditory processing. And so any way that we can give them where they're able to process through multi-sensory, multiple sensory channels, I think really helps decrease their anxiety. Absolutely. That's, that's a really good point. And I find if it's just posted on the refrigerator, this is the menu. It kind of also takes it out of well, mom won't give us what we want. I can just say, well, that's the menu. Blame it on the menu. You know, it's not, (laughs) don't blame it on me. This is how we do it every single Wednesday. This is what we have. And so, you know, we don't really need to talk about it so much. (laughs) 
Yeah. I was just going to mention one other thing, one other point of connection with my kids before they go out the door to school is that I, we pray for them and we gather as much as possible. Now, again, my one son, this is hard for him. So I don't always make him come cozy and close. You know, I put my hands around them, my arms around them, and I pray for them before they go. And then we have a really simple prayer that we pray aloud together as a family as they're going out the door. And it's kind of funny because if we're running late, literally my kids will be running across the front lawn, down the driveway, calling back to me, you know, hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And it's just a very simple prayer. I'm happy to share that in the show notes as well. But it's something my kids have grown very accustomed to. Praying in the morning is kind of lovely. It's rooted in um, the Jewish faith, actually, a Shema, it's called. So, But that prayer is sort of a, uh, a way of connecting with them, and it's a way of reminding them who they are and a way of reminding them that they're very loved by God, and that's important to me as my kids part from me for the day. Probably worth mentioning here, if you're thinking, gosh, I'm not doing any of this, or I really like that idea, I would love to do that with my kids. Lise, what would you suggest in terms of just transitioning to kind of a new routine, a new morning? Do you have any tips for how to kind of get your kids buy-in? Well, I probably wouldn't change a ton of things all at once. I'd probably start with one thing, like maybe the first thing would be, we're going to add a breakfast menu. And that could be kind of a happy thing because you could talk with them about what would you guys like to eat for breakfast and create a menu together. I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start with this at this time. And we're going to, you know, I might make changes over time. I also always have done kind of a practice week the week before school. So the week before we started school, even back when we were homeschooling, we would start getting up at the right time of day and maybe doing breakfast like we would during school. And then I wouldn't necessarily launch them into schoolwork, but I might say, just this week alone, I want everybody after breakfast doing 30 minutes of reading and everybody doing 30 minutes of Khan Academy math, you know, something so that we kind of started to get the feeling of what school is going to feel like instead of staying up late every night, lazy, long sleep in mornings, and then boom, you have to get up for your first day of school. That was just a bit too much for my kids and for me. So a transitional week. And if you don't know, like if you're thinking, I want to read the Bible to my kids, but I've never really read the Bible. I don't know how to do that. There are really simple children's Bibles you can do. There are simple daily, daily devotionals. We can include some of those in the show notes as well. I would just keep it simple. You don't want to add stress. This is supposed to alleviate stress, not make you feel more stressed out. And we certainly do not ever want you to feel like you're failing as a mom if you don't do any of the things we do. Yeah, for sure. So I think what you just said is the whole point. If any of these suggestions feel like they would be more stressful for you, then don't do them because the whole point is to make it easier. So if something feels like that would make your life easier, then definitely pick and choose that one. I think something else that's really helpful in our house, especially for kids that are verbal, is you know to ask them kind of what's hard about the morning routine right now, especially if you're struggling in that and have them maybe verbalize it and you know, acknowledge their feelings, acknowledge that it's been a little hard for you and acknowledge, ask them if they would want it to be better, you know, acknowledge that those feelings don't feel good. And that if we could make, if we could make a change that would help you not feel so anxious in the morning or not feel so angry at mom when you get on the bus or whatever it is, maybe offer some suggestions. Would it be helpful if we picked out your clothes 
the night before? Or would it be helpful if we did this certain routine in the morning? And they'll be able to tell you. And if they're collaborative with you in that transition and change to how you're switching up your morning routine, I think it'll go a lot smoother. Absolutely. I think they'll feel more part of the decision and be more committed to it rather than mom is imposing this upon us, you know? So the last thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is correcting principles in the morning. And I think my greatest thought about that, my overall thought about that is that if your kids are leaving for school and you're going to be apart from each other for a number of hours, you want to actually keep correction to a minimum. And having a good routine helps with that. But we don't want to come down heavy on our kids right before they leave us for six hours or something. It's not a time to bring up big issues. It's a time to keep things pretty simple. Like, for example, with my teen girls in particular, if the chores aren't done, they're one little tiny chore in the morning it'll still be here when they get home. Now, if it happens over and over, which we slid into some of that last spring, then I need to talk to them about it. But yelling down to them as they're going to the bus, you didn't do your chore, really isn't going to help anybody at this point. And in terms of breakfast, you know, some of our kids are not morning eaters and or they might be running late for some reason. If they haven't eaten breakfast, just make sure they always have a snack in their backpack. Like I try to be sure there's always some kind of, even if it's a granola bar or something or beef jerky um, in my kid's backpack in case they get out the door without having eaten well. How about you, Melissa? Yeah, I think those are all great things. And, you know, think about the communication behind the behavior. Is there a reason why someone's digging their feet in and doesn't want to go to school that day? Is there a reason everyone's a little bit more crabby? You know, maybe you had a late night or you had a fun thing that you had to do the night before and you didn't get to do your nighttime routine. And so everyone's feeling a little off or, you know, a lot of times for me, it's just me. I'm feeling off or I'm anxious about something And as soon as my internal kind of level of anxiety rises, even if it's not about what's going on, I can guarantee that the behaviors kind of start feeding off of that. So I know this is super, super hard, but every time I would feel a morning going sideways, every time that I would start to get anxious about so-and-so is not going to get on the bus, you know, what are we going to do? Like, I can't have her home all day, you know, especially if she's acting like this and all of these things like that always escalated it and inevitably it was, it turned into a battle and, or someone didn't go to school. So, but you know, if a morning started to go sideways and I could just take the time to kind of backpedal, think through, is there something she needs physically? Is there a way I can change the environment? Is there a way I can get her to communicate a need? Is there a way I can connect? You know, sometimes we're a little late or sometimes I'd have to run someone to school, but it still ended de-escalated and kind of diffused rather than, you know, angry and in crisis. So, you know, kind of just remembering that it's really great when our kids get on the bus and everything goes smoothly. But if we die on that hill and if something goes awry and we start to freak out about it, then that's kind of the beginning of the end for us. That's a really good point. Um, I wanted to share, you know, some of us and some of you listening are uh, parenting kids with really some severe challenges. And our daughter, Calcadon in particular, had an very, very difficult time staying regulated. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I need to give her lots of time in the morning. I need to do this and that and, you know, meet all these needs. And we were working with a really wonderful therapist. And she actually told us to do exactly the opposite. She said, keep Calcadon's mornings very short, very kind of snappy, 
few opportunities to interact with um, siblings or with us, just very, very quick. So we um, set a time that she was allowed to get up. She wasn't allowed to get up until a certain time because once she was up, man, it was like a cyclone hit. So she had a time that she was allowed to get up. At that time, um, she actually was going to a private school, so uniforms the Lord bless uniforms. Thank you. Thank you. That made life so much better. And so she'd have her uniform ready. She would, I would pack her lunch. It would be ready to go. I would have her breakfast ready. And she was up and out the door really quite quickly. And that just produced a lot of drama, which ultimately was good for me, good for all the other siblings. And it was good for her because she didn't leave the house already super dysregulated and churned up before she even got to school. So short and snappy for some of our kids might be best. And that's just something I hadn't really thought of until this therapist recommended it. Well, good advice. I feel like I always was second guessing myself between those two. Like, do I get her up early so that we have plenty of time in case there's drama, you know, or do I wait for the shortest amount of time possible because the shortest amount of time that we all interact, the less likely there is to be drama. And so I feel that tension a lot. Absolutely. And I, that advice worked really well for us. The other thing I did when I had both homeschoolers and out-of-home schoolers, I would have my school kids get ready and out the door before my homeschoolers were even allowed to come downstairs. And that sounds a little odd, but honestly, the fewer interactions when I had a house full of really... Uh, easily dysregulated kids, little kids out the door. And then my homeschoolers got up and came downstairs and had breakfast and things like that. And I know it sounds odd, but I also know that a lot of you out there listening have really challenging circumstances and our lives just are different from other people. And this is something that really helped us. Yeah, that's a great idea. We actually do have, and we have had in the past, that whole, you can't get out of bed until X, Y, or Z, whether it be a time or permission or whatever it is. And it's a little tricky to get started with. We found that just being consistent, if a child would get up before he was supposed to, they would get a quick hug, a greeting, a, I still love you. I'm still connected to you, but remember it's not time to get up yet and calmly turn them around and send them back to bed. And, you know, eventually they figured it out. And it, it, again, it took a little bit of training and a little bit of work in the front end, but it has made the world of difference on the back end, just to know, you know, that I can have a certain amount of quiet in the morning or like, you know, your set of kids who are going to school could do their thing without having to bump bodies with other kids who might not have needed to be in the kitchen or the bathroom or in all the places. So yeah, all good stuff. So if you're listening and you have questions about your specific situation, we offer private coaching. This is a perfect option for overwhelmed and really busy moms because you get help specific to your situation without having to wade through all those things that don't apply to you. You can schedule at any time that is convenient for you and you don't even have to leave your house. Summer coaching rates are still in effect, so book now before you miss out. You can schedule at theadoptionconnection.com slash services. Also, if you're a visual person like me, you can download a summary of what we talked about today, plus a couple sample breakfast menus and a printable of the prayer Lisa uses with her kids. There are also links to different resources that are relevant to this episode. You can find all of that at theadoptionconnection.com slash three. 
Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.